and you just have to leap, right? I mean, that's the difference between the people who are like Jeff Bezos and, and companies who made it in the world and the people who think about it, who have, like myself, sketchbooks filled with ideas, but never act on it. To me, it's the leap and it's the ability to solve problems once, you're, once you've leaped. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I just want to welcome you to the Kelly family and let you know that we exist to help you. If you're an organizational leader or someone who's looking to jump into the business world and you're trying to wrestled through some leadership questions, or you just know of an individual who would make a great guest for our show, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I So for a lot of organizational leaders out there, uh, and even those that aren't in necessarily in a leadership role, we, many of us have ideas always coming through our minds. We have an idea of a new business. We have an idea of maybe a new enterprise within our organization, or we just have a new idea on how to make the world a better place. A lot of times for, for many individuals, unfortunately, those ideas just simply stay within our heads. We think about them and we think about them and we know we want to do it. And we keep telling ourselves at some day, at some point, I'm going to make this happen. Yet, that day just seems never to come. So the question that we want to wrestle with today is when? When is the right time to take that leap and start the idea? When do we finally say enough's enough? I've stewed on this long enough. I need to make this happen. And we just take the risk and go for it. So today we are honored to be joined by a faculty member at IU Eskenazi School of Art, Architecture, Design, and He's also the founder of Play360, which is a nonprofit organization that builds low-cost playgrounds in low-resource communities around the world. Mr. John Rasick, thank you so much for being our guest here on the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. So, you know, we have this premise, like, like I was saying, you know, there's this idea that would just percolates in our head. And as someone like yourself who's, who's working to teach design and design foundations and how to, you know, work through the process of bringing them from our heads into real world space, you know, talk about uh, just that idea, that struggle that so many people are, are having, that what causes that internal uh, conflict that makes it so hard to take an idea from, from our thoughts and bring it into the real world. It's a great question. So I, I'm a kind of person who, um, you know, I have notebooks and sketchbooks filled with ideas that, you know, I'll kick around, I'll run up to my wife and tell her and she'll sort of politely, you know, say that's a great idea and roll her eyes and move on with her lives. And, and so I, I um, it, so it's, it's that, it's that moment when you get serious about the idea that I think we're talking about, that you are, no longer just kind of kicking something around in a theoretical way, but you're, you're saying, you know, I'm passionate about this. I really want to, to make a move. Um, for me, it was, um, it was more, <laughs> it's more of a move of desperation, I think, than anything else. And maybe that's really what uh, is the case for a lot of people. I was uh, living in Boston. I was working as an architect um, and I just found myself doing a lot of work that I didn't love. I was uh spending hours choosing bathroom tiles for 
really wealthy clients who would choose something and then they would choose something else and we'd rip it out. And it was just work that um, it was, it was hard for me to uh, grapple with in terms of my value system. Um, and so I, you know, I went through a uh, quarter life crisis or something. And I said, you know, it's, I, I can't, I have to do something more. And uh, so I, I think that's when I, I started uh, play 360, uh, which again is uh, an organization that, that trains people to, to build low cost resources uh, and playgrounds um, throughout the developing world in order to increase um, attendance, uh, engagement, um, and teach teachers to be better teachers. And unfortunately, I mean, you're not, you would want that to be a limited scope of, you know, individuals who are in a job, in a career, in some sort of work where they just don't feel that completeness. They don't feel that sense of uh, being some, a part of something bigger, you know, than yourself. Um, but, you know, I do think there are a lot more people that wrestle with that, that are going to kind of do the nine to five grind and this just kind of feel stuck. They know where they want to go. They know maybe what they want to do, yet they just don't really know how to get there. You know, so part of your journey, you know, talk about when that transition began to happen. How did you uh, decide, you know, this is this is something that I need to start tackling now. Like, this is the right opportunity for this idea. The short answer is that you, that you just have to trust yourself and take the leap, um, I was having a conversation today with someone who's starting a business and, um, you know, she was saying, do I know enough? Uh, have I have, do I have enough experience? And, and we were saying that, yes, you know, you, you do know enough and, and you just have to, you just have to leap. Right. I mean, that's the difference between the people who, um, are like Jeff Bezos and, and companies who kind of made it in the world. Um, and the people who, think about it, who have like myself, sketchbooks filled with ideas, but never act on them. Right. So it's, to me, it's the, it's the leap and it's the, you know, it's the ability to solve problems once you're, once you've leaped, you know, how do you, how do you figure out what you have to learn and, and uh, do you have the skills to, to problem solve? And so, yes, take the leap, but make it calculated uh, and make sure that you are, uh, you have the skill set to, to be nimble and to, to think through ideas before, um, you know, you get yourself too far down the, down the road. So unpack a little bit more, you know, you said in the beginning that, uh, you were kind of forced into this or maybe not forced, but it was a, um, opportunity to start this, that maybe you're kind of pushed into it. Uh, talk about, you know, what, what all that entailed to, uh, get you to the place where you said like, this is, this is the moment because, you know, sometimes it is tragedy or it is something that happens, you know, not so great in our careers that ultimately become the blessing, you know, per se, that pushes us into where we're supposed to be going. Well, I was just reading that, that more, I think there are more businesses that, that are being started right now during the pandemic. You know, the, you would think that business, new businesses would stop, but actually new businesses are, are, are picking up in certain industries, of course. Um, so for me, it was, um, I had gone to graduate school. I got a master's in, in graduate, sorry, in architecture school. And I, um, I had done Teach for America before I went to architecture school. And I had worked in Compton, you know, inner city school in Los Angeles. And so um, I was pretty attuned to doing that kind of on the ground 
um, service type work. And then I got to, I, I left uh, architecture school and I started doing this work like I described, wasn't really what I was wanting to do. And so I started looking around for, for organizations that, that, that kind of matched what I was interested in, which was mostly doing work internationally uh, that involved design, that involved uh, community engagement, that involved um, ideas of co-design, things like that. And they didn't exist. Um, this was back in the, in the 90s. There was one or two uh, organizations that did that kind of work. And I, um, and then, it, then it, in particular to design, but there, there, then there were other organizations that were more aid related organizations. And you, you know, you needed a master's, you needed years and years of field work to get a position in those types of organizations. So I said, I, you know, I know what I want to do. Um, it doesn't exist. And so I'm going to make it, I'm going to just, again, go out and, and do my best and see what happens. Um, and, you know, my life is a series of um, small failures, some small and, and uh, subtle and some fantastically explosive. Uh, so luckily, my, my, when I moved my family um, from the U.S. to Thailand, because that's where we started the organization, and we, we moved to a, a town along the Thai-Burmese border, uh, there was nothing there. <laughs> you know, we, we landed our first night, my wife and my two kids who were, were small. She was like, what the hell are we doing here? Um, you know, th those are the moments when you really kind of question, you know, have I, have I done the right thing? But looking back, um, you know, th those leaps, whether it was going to, to teach in the inner city in Compton or, or to, to, to move to Thailand and start this organization, uh, I mean, those leaps have, have been the the most important moments of my life and have, have, have crafted everything else that's happened to me. You, you know, and that's probably one of the hardest things to decide is is taking that leap. You know, that's probably out of, you know, obviously you learn you're going to get bumps and bruises along the way, but I think that a first initial, you know, motion to say, all right, this is happening, you know, that becomes, you know, a difficult spot for, for a lot of organizational leaders. But then, you know, once, once you make that leap, you know, talk about that because obviously in our minds, we play out the scenario so many times when we have an idea, we have the ideal condition set, we have the path of how it's going to look in our minds. But then when we bring it into reality, it is, it is almost complete opposite of what we thought, you know, the, the plan falls apart. The, you know, like you said, you, you show up to a place where you thought it was going to be beautiful, but yet there's nothing around and everything, all the expectations set seem to be, you know, know, blow up right in your face. So when those adversities come, you know, when those, that self-talk that says, what am I doing? Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I need to go back and maybe I can, you know, beg for my job back or something like that. You know, how do you work through that? How do you hold on to the vision that you set and the idea to push through that negative self-talk? So I think part of that comes from my experience as a designer and trying, just being trained to try things, to prototype things and have them fail and then learn from that. Um, you know, the, and so when I started the organization, I had kind of a rough idea of what I wanted it to be. Um, a lot of the gaps were not filled in. Um, it's like writing a business plan. You sort of write something and then, then you put it on the shelf and, and it never kind of works out the same way. But you, you've at least spent the, ex, the, the time and the, the energy coming up with a plan. But again, you know, the, the plan changes all the time. And so then, and, that, and that's what happened. You know, I, 
I had this rough idea of what I wanted to do. And I just, I, I tried to not show up with too many expectations. I tried to, to say, you know, the, the gaps will get filled in based on, on what happens. And I'm going to try to learn as, as much as I can. And, and again, take on, take small little steps to this process um, and, and try to learn as much as I can. You know, it's, I mean, I'm 10 years, 11 years into this organization and we're, you know, we're still changing. We're, we're going through a major revamp right now based on COVID and based on other things. Um, and that's okay. We've always just had the attitude of this, this story has not been fully written and it will be continue evolve based on the constraints that, that, that show up. As you teach students, you know, how to design, but more so, how do you creatively fail and learn from those failures? You know, like I love what you said is that you, you try to ideate or build something kind of almost in the hopes that it fails or seeing where it fails so that you can go back to the drawing board and fix those issues and then have an even better, stronger greater product than you your first initial concept but for a lot of organizational leaders like that that overcoming of failure can be a, a, a tripping block you know and I'm sure even early in your career as an architect or even early in your as a student you know learning how to fail and being comfortable failing you know what advice would you offer to individuals who do wrestle with with failure like when they take it so personally and it defines them and they just get stuck in that place you know how do you begin to change the mindset of viewing failure? That, that's a great question. Um, and I, I think there's so many things in our society that, that push against this idea that failure is okay. Um, you know, it's, it's in our educational system. It's, uh, it's in our sports. I mean, it's, 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 all, it's all around us. But if you really look at it, you know, anything, anything difficult that you've done, you know, you, you failed at one point or another, right? I mean, it's that learning process. It's just a question of, can you sort of reframe that experience as something that is valuable, right? Yeah. So I, so I, in terms of, of trying out new ideas, whether it's a business or a nonprofit or whatever, I think this idea of like a minimal viable product is really important. You know, you put together something that you're really kind of ashamed about, get it out in the world, get some people to, to take a, a hard look at it and give you really sort of honest feedback. And uh, yeah, it stings, you know, especially a passion project or something that you're really uh, you know, excited about doing and you, you poured your, your, your effort into. Um, but, you know, keeping the eye, knowing that, um, that the work will get better, um, you know, hopefully drives you to, to get over that sting and, and keep on keeping on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that failure, I talk to my students all the time, that, that, that failure is so integral in success. You know, it's the struggle. You got. I mean, I say that to my students all the time. The struggle is is really where the work is, and the if, if it's coming too easy, you're not working hard enough. Looking back on your journey, what would you say uh, to those who you know feel like I just need to know everything in order to uh, you know start this idea? You know, I need to make sure that I have this certain degree or diploma or level of knowledge or I, they almost it's almost like you know you you I need to get arrive would probably be the best way I need to arrive at this place so that I can start this you know how do you how do you start honing in on like 
you know, like now is the time, you know, now is, is the place or, you know, giving, setting yourself goals. Like what do you go through in your own process to, or through this process to, to get to, all right, it's here. We're going for it. Again, I I think my training as a designer has um, really helped me particularly I, I've, I've been learning a lot in, in, in practicing and teaching about design thinking for the last uh, couple of years. And uh, design thinking is a methodology that, that really is, it's focused on people. It's focused on, on research, but most importantly, sort of having a uh, empathetic understanding of who, of who your users are. And I think that's really valuable for, again, whether you're doing a business or you're doing uh, you're designing a building or you're, um, you're doing a nonprofit, who, who are your users doing that research, do talking to people, you know, not just staying online, clicking away, but sitting down with people, asking people, what are they looking for? How do we help solve, help problem solve, excuse me, how we help solve problems. Um, that, that is to me, the first, um, sort of real step towards, getting ready to, to, to take that leap. Um, but again, you, you, you're, you can only research so much. Um, and eventually you, you have to get to a point where you, you take the leap and, um, you know, you, you, you were never, you were never, there's always more to know. Um, but you only know it by going through the process. Right. And so I, I don't, I'm not trying to say that, um, I, I think that in my experience, moving, selling my house, selling my business, moving to Thailand, to rural Thailand was maybe a bit more dramatic than I would recommend. Um, but, you know, I think that, that you can take these sort of controlled uh, risks, these calculated risks uh, and, and sort of work your way through it, but there's no way to arrive. You know, you, there's not a formula out there that you can follow. Uh, and if you complete that formula, you're, you're going to be ready to go. It's just, you know, um, talk to people, understand the problem that you're trying to solve. Uh, but eventually take that, that, and that, that small leap maybe. Yeah. And one thing that's, that's um, interesting to me, a part of your story is that, I mean, you took, you did take this big jump and this big risk and you moved, sold everything and went halfway around the world to a place that maybe you weren't so familiar with, or it wasn't as great as it was, but you know, you got to learn, you know, as you went and talk about, you know, just, just the, because there's this monster of fear that kind of comes into the forefront that says, you know, on the other side of this decision, things are going to be worse. Things are going to be scary. Things are going to be un- so unknown that it's going to be overwhelming because, you know, we're in that self-talk. Yet yeah, talk about the comparison of where you were when you're at the job that you weren't happy at, even though it was secure, versus the risking it and shooting for your passions and going for this idea, you know, even though it was hard. Talk about how, you know, the the difference was for you personally, you know, as secure versus the risk part? There's this quote that I read recently uh, from Benjamin Franklin. Uh, it said, most people die at 25, but they're not buried till they're 75. And so this idea of, you know, you, you, it's so easy. And, I, and this is exactly the case that was, that I was facing, that, that I was um, stuck in a job that I was unhappy. I was unhappy about. I was doing work that I was unhappy about. And there was nothing in my future that I saw really changing that equation too much. Uh, yeah, I probably could find another job. I could probably work in different types of projects, but ultimately I wasn't, it wasn't the kind of fulfilling work that I had uh, been aiming to, um, 
The idea of staying in a job that was stifling to me um, was um, a greater risk than me taking this big leap. And, and luckily, uh, you know, I was in a place, I had some savings. If things had gone horribly, horribly wrong, then I would have had, you know, I probably would have moved to a beach in Thailand and probably spent a month there. And then I'd come home and, uh, you know, I'd have to find a job. And so, you know, I don't want to say that I, I sold everything and, um, you know, was penniless and then moved to Thailand. It, that wasn't necessarily the case, but, um, you know, it was a big risk. I, I had sold a, a um, sort of a side business designing furniture and uh, I'd sold a house and, you know, I'd convinced my wife to quit her job and we had two little kids and, you know, moving into a place that had malaria and everything else. It was, uh, you know, it was a bit scary. Um, I can't believe, you know, my friends and my family didn't try to stop me at the time, but, um, but yeah, I, I guess the point is, is that, um, you know, the, the, reg- the possible regret that I would have had if I hadn't taken that leap to me at that point in my life outweighed the risk that, that I was doing something terribly wrong. And I think you brought up a really uh, great point that it was part of your plan. You know, it wasn't a, I'm selling everything in the same way that a lot of times I think, you know, as people who are trying to uh, think about how they're going to start this business, there's this thought maybe of, I need to sell everything I own so I can get funding, so I can get this idea off the ground, or I need to do, you know, sacrifice so much of who I am to make this crazy wild risk and just kind of throw the dice and see where they land and hopefully, you know, it, it pays out. But yet, you know, what? something you said that I found interesting was that it was part of your plan that you're going to set money aside and that, you know, there was going to be, you know, exit strategies should, you know, X, one and Z not work out so that you're not left high and dry. And I think that's something, you know, that is a really great point to make when trying to make that leap into, you know, your passion. And another interesting thing is the fact that you had a wife and kids and, you know, as, as someone who's married with, with the child as well, I mean, you're not just thinking about yourself. It's easier when you're single uh, because you're just kind of accountable to yourself. And if you fail, hey, cool, like at least I, I know I can take care of myself and get back on my feet. But then when you're kind of asking, you know, your spouse to put their career on pause or your kids to, you know, say goodbye to their friends for a while, you know, that's, that's a daunting thing. So how do you, you know, work to bring your family or even your friends, you know, involved into your vision, into your idea, you know, how did that conversation go about where it's not like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Cause I say, but it's a buying in, you know, kind of a thing where you get your family, you know, bought into your, your idea. Uh, the, the shorter answer there is marry well. Uh, my wife is an amazing person. Um, we've always been on the same page in terms of sort of our acceptable level of risk. And, um, you know, she, she has that sort of adventurous spirit that uh, would allow me to, uh, you know, make the argument that this is a good thing for our family. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, uh, the, the, I guess the selling point, this is probably a, a just a detail of our situation was uh, it, it allowed us to, to have some time. Um, we, we were, I was working hard, but she was, she took time off from her job and was able to just spend time with our kids. And that was, um, so um, if we had moved to New York city, it would have been a different situation, but moving to Thailand allowed us, there were a lot of benefits to, to moving to a place like that. Um, so, so, and, and that was part of the plan. Um, again, if, if I was moving to New York city, um, to try to start something, it, it would have been a much different uh, situation for us. 
So, you know, what were, as you reflect back, some of the greatest lessons that you learned through this journey that you may not have gained or you may not have gathered the wisdom uh, if you said no and you were just went a different path? You know, talk about some of those greatest things that you were brought back and it just kind of defined who you are today. Well, something I teach my kids is, you know, courage is one of the most important things for our family. You know, you, you need the courage, whether it's, you know, taking a leap like this, or it's standing up for a kid who's being bullied, or it's, uh, you know, speaking your mind. So that, that idea of courage um, is, is really important. And, and that came out of this experience. Um, the, the idea of learning, learning from failure, learning from, from you know, almost learning from that uh, is, is really important. Um, and then, the uh, learning that what other people say is not that important. Um, you know, when I was telling people that I'm, I'm leaving to move to Thailand to build playgrounds for kids who are migrant Burmese migrants, um, you know, people, <laughs> people were like, "You're you're insane! You're insane! Why and why playgrounds?" You know, um, but I knew that it was I knew it was a good thing to do. Um, and even if the organization had failed, um, we would build a couple playgrounds and we would, at the end of the day, have made a bunch of kids happy. And so I was okay with that calculus. So the idea that, um, you know, what other people say, yes, you should be listening to people, but um, people are always going to be, they're always going to poo-poo your idea or, or be negative and, and say you're crazy uh, and don't listen to that. You know, at the end of the day, you, you only have to answer to yourself, uh, maybe your family, your wife, or, or whoever. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know not not placing too much uh, import on on the naysayers. Again, John Rasick is a faculty member at IU's Eskenazi School of Art, Architecture, and Design. He's also the founder of Play 360, which is a nonprofit organization that builds low-cost playgrounds in low-resource communities around the world. John, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show... Our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.